0: Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. My name is Craig, and my guest today is my pastor, Jonathan Owens, and I'm going to introduce him in a moment. This is a series called Conversations in Contrast, and we're actually... Finishing the series today. This is our last interview. Wow. We have made it. What we're doing is we're sitting right now in Shalom, (laughs) the mobile podcast studio, which is just a a 26 foot long camper. And so don't be deceived by the background and the set. This is a a camper that we're in. So if you hear background noise, it's because cars are driving by and all that. But we have made it. We did about a month long tour from Seattle to San Diego and then we drove. All the way home in two and a half days, twenty-eight, hour, 28 hours of driving wow. in, in two and a half days, and I looked at my map thing. We we went a total of four thousand seven hundred seventy-eight miles, and so Poor here we are, an RV, <laughs> yeah, in probably not the strongest of trucks. <laughs> so we made it all the way back home, and we're concluding this series with my pastor. And so, if you're unfamiliar with what this is, you're probably not. If you're still here with us at this point, but just one more time. Uh, this is and uh, the idea behind this series is to pull back the curtain on pain and struggle a little bit and to look at what great people are doing in the mm. kingdom and not just their success and their victory, but a little bit of like the pain that they've been through that God's used to get them there. So that's what this is. Awesome. thank you for having me. yeah, it's an honor. So Jo, the way that I've been introducing everybody on this tour is right. instead of getting like a professional bio which anybody interview probably could have, All the different, you know, this and that, all the things about them. But the way that I want to introduce people is just from the perspective of like the way that maybe somebody would view somebody from social media or in your case, somebody in the congregation that isn't like a close friend, but... They know who you are. They see you from afar. They see your family and, and the success and all of this from afar. But they don't like really know you. Right, right. Now, because you're my pastor, I know that in the midst of your preaching and all that, you're very transparent about your story. But the point still is that there's a lot of people that might look at you from afar and, and not really know what made the man. Right, that we see before us today, and so, so I'm just gonna sort of I know tons about you because I've known you for 15 years now, but I'm gonna introduce you, if I can, try from the perspective of just that, like somebody that doesn't really know you that much. So this is a way I would I would imagine somebody from afar might view you, man. Look at this this guy. He's the lead pastor of this what most people would probably call a mega church, especially in our area, one of the biggest churches in our city in our region. Him and his wife planted and lead this church together. Have grown it from nothing over the last sixteen years. Big church, successful. Uh, they travel and preach places. They're they're both lead pastors here in the city in this church, but have leadership over other mm. ch- churches and leaders. And it's just been an amazing thing to see what God's done. And, and our town's a pretty small town. Right, so, to have right. like a big church, thriving church, and I would say, even in our network, which is kind of like our denomination, you could say, mm. one of the bigger churches, one of the more influential churches. And so, all around, very successful. And, uh, and not to mention that you are like one of the most passionate, fiery, charismatic preachers that I know. And so I think when people would view you, that's what they would see. And they would think they would see, experience somebody that's really confident, filled with faith, filled with the spirit, just kind of has it all going on. Mm. And so not to mention, you know, your wife, your family, your kids, grandkids, just a beautiful family, beautiful ministry, beautiful life. Right. So just like everybody else that I've interviewed, it all looks from afar it's all the success it's all the it's it's amazing it looks it looks great so the question is either your life has just been kind of handed to you on a silver platter everything God has just lined up for you man it's just been an easy road mm. or like I found with a lot of people those that are being used by God are not typically there because everything's just been perfect mm. but because there's been a making of a man or a woman of God, to be you, to be a tool that God can use sometimes through sorrow, sometimes through suffering, sometimes through pain, sometimes even the dark night of the soul. Right. And so either life has been perfect for you or that's not true. And if it's not true, would you tell us about some of the hardest or one of the hardest things that you've been through in your life and how God got you through?
1: Oh, cool. Well, it's it's not true because <laughs> of the pain that I've been through. I think one of my biggest uh, challenges as loss mm-hmm. and death. Uh, when I was eight years old, I was staying, my sister and I were staying with a couple in Ohio. My parents were pastors and they were on a uh, a trip with their associate pastors. And on the way back, my, my dad was super excited that he had a new Pinto. <laughs> and, yeah, a brown Pinto. And they were this all was, four driving together? They were, yeah, 1973, September of 1973, they were all together And did you, uh, were you born in Ohio? No, I was born in South Carolina, born in South Carolina. Yeah. He took over a pastoring uh, situation in a little town called Bloomingdale. And so wasn't
0: he, so he was a pastor of a local church. Right. And then he, was he a traveling evangelist? He was before that. Oh, before He was
1: a travel evangelist. That's how he met my mother. Okay. Uh, He was in South Carolina, met my mother whenever he was traveling. And obviously they fell in love and, and got married and Mm -hmm. that's where I came from And so, um, and they were traveling somewhere in Ohio, coming back, I was young, eight years old, staying with our friends. And my sister, I think was 14. And, uh, all of a sudden we got news that they had been in a wreck and all, all four of them were killed. They were head on collision and, uh, really impacted my life. I I remember to this day that it doesn't matter how young you are, you don't forget those things. R- remember my, 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 my sister just bawling and, uh, I was beside myself and I think they gave me a, I heard they gave me a sleeping pill and oh, really? so, yeah, just kind of calm me down. And, um, it was, it was a, do it was have, a huge tragic. Do
0: you have memories of what you felt in that moment as an eight year old? Can you recall, or was it such a blur? And so I, I do, uh, it, it felt,
1: I felt very lonely, felt hopeless and, um, some of the things, um, scared, these are definitely things that, that took place that my parents are now gone. And uh, all I've ever known really intimately was my mom, dad, my sister, and I. I have an older brother that would visit us. That I, He's a great guy. And I've met another brother along the journey, but I didn't know him at the time. But at that point, felt very, very lonely um, and and probably very scared. Yeah. And didn't know what was going to happen. My grandparents, my granddaddy from South Carolina, my mother's dad, came to Ohio uh, with his pastor, and they picked us up, my sister and I, and we went from Ohio to South Carolina to live with my grandparents in South Carolina. After they did like a local gathering there. Like a memorial? A memorial. And uh, it was my sister and I and my brother at the time, and the other couple lost, I think they have five children, four or five (sighs) children, so... Uh, just instant orphans at, at that point. I was very thankful that we had grandparents. I knew Nanny and Papa very well. Uh, we visited them. That would be kind of like our vacation a lot of times, and, and I knew them from South Carolina. And I knew my other grandparents too, but we were very close to Nanny and Papa. So my sister and I went to live in a place called Bishopville, South Carolina, New Town, third grade. Uh, my sister was 14. I think she
0: was in ninth or tenth grade. And So how did it how did I mean obviously that's gonna affect you like so hard I don't know if they were doing counseling back then or how did you start dealing with that like how did it affect you
1: um I didn't go through any counseling or anything um, I don't even know if that I'm was, sure if somebody was doing it but yeah it wasn't in yeah. little Bishopville and so we just lived with with my grandparents they took us to church and uh, I, I just kind of remember really, it seems like I had a relationship with the Lord and then it seems like I didn't. And really? I just became, I don't know, maybe angry and mm-hmm. rebell- rebellious. I, got, I, I became a, a young rebel. I remember smoking weed at a very young age really? and alcohol and so forth and so on. Um, matter of fact, between my seventh and eighth grade, I was smoking weed, and I don't know if it was honestly all because of the weed or because of what I'd been through, but it was the first time I'd ever had a panic attack. And uh, I took several cold showers and begged them to take me to, to the hospital. They laughed at me, and so uh, that was a that was a devast panic attacks in itself. A true panic attack yeah. is very scary. And maybe it was because of the loss of my parents and the fear that was inside of me or what have you. But that was definitely, um, those two things was very,
0: very tragic in my life. So the, yeah, obviously your parents, but then you started smoking weed and then you have this episode and it marks you?
1: It marks me. It was, it's like if your brain is surrounded with a dam this is the only way that I could put it. I'm not a psychologist or, you know, yeah. but something broke in my brain. Huh. broke. And I thought it was all because I had weed that was laced. And uh I remember being very very out of reality. I would look at my hand, crag and go it didn't feel real. I really? would want to take really cold or hot showers to see if I was alive. I'd have these episodes. Was of, this
0: like for a, like the day or this keep going? Uh, It it definitely
1: happened after the panic attacks. But then I began dealing with it in a very, very real way for a long period of my life because I didn't want to tell anyone because I thought that, well, I thought I was going crazy and I didn't want everyone in the world to think that I was going crazy. So I I would be out of touch with reality. Uh, And uh, that was a very scary thing. And sometimes when you're having a panic attack, your body does certain things because it's telling you something needs to change your, the way that you're yeah. living, thinking, what have you. Right. Yeah. And then you have episodes afterwards. And so there was a time where it felt like I just was out of reality of either scared to go into a panic cut because I didn't know there were panic attacks. I didn't find and out. You weren't talking were. to anybody no, about it. No, Nobody I to my, I, I talked later to my grandparents, uh, my grandmother, she brought over a pastor and an associate pastor to pray with me. And it really worked, though I didn't surrender my life to Christ, mm. to have someone to talk to. And I would talk myself out of panic attacks. I would go, my grandmother wouldn't let this happen to me. Or um, I don't think God's going to let this happen to me. And sometimes I would talk my myself out of it. It's called kind of positive talk. I didn't know any of those things back back in the day, but yeah. it really helped me. Huh. And so, um, did this I,
0: go on all through your high school years?
1: All I, I struggled. I remember setting in Mr. Gold's Goldsman class, all these classes. And I, I, I didn't want to be in any of them. And so I struggled with grades. I struggled in certain areas like I played basketball, but in the arena of a gym, that big opening, it would, it would affect me huh. uh, on the, on the football field it would affect me. So I had certain areas that I was very sensitive to. I did okay in baseball. I was a catcher and maybe because I was behind the plate in a, in a closed area. Mm-hmm. Uh, even to this day, I liked closed areas. Hmm. And so it's kind of strange. So I'm, I'm letting you know the real deal. Yeah.
0: So was <laughs> it the, like the panic attacks are like high when those happen, that's like, I mean, it's it's like happening. Right. But was there consistent like anxiety and things like that all throughout? Yeah. So I had the first episode, and
1: then two weeks later, I was thinking, "Man, I, I wonder what that was," mm. and it threw me into another panic attack. Mm. But I wasn't smoking weed, right? And then it really bothered me, and so I I, I began getting very strange. Like for uh. example, if I had a panic attack there wearing those clothes. I wouldn't want to go there and I wouldn't wear those clothes. Oh. So I started getting very, I don't know other than being weird and strange. No one knew this was going on. No one would have said he's being strange cuz I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. But clothes would hang up in my closet that I wouldn't touch. Wow. Cuz I didn't know what was causing these attacks. Wow. Yeah. And so I lived that way for many, many, many years. That's why when I got born again, December the 7th, 1986, two years later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. When that took place, the Holy Spirit began to do a great, great healing inside of me in a huge way. The problem was I still didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what took place. So I got sick with some really bad water. And it made me very, very uh, fragile. I lost, I think, 30, 40 pounds. And I started. This is later in life? Yeah, later in life, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, after knowing Christ, I I drank this bad water and it surfaced some things. And I go to the doctor, tell him what I'm dealing with. And it was the first time I'd ever heard, you're having panic attacks. Huh. And my point is, is that from. I didn't know from you know 7th, 8th grade all the way until my 20s what they were even called, what I was dealing with, and I didn't want to talk
0: to anyone about them. Wow. And then what what happened with your sister, and when was that? So I, my parents were killed
1: when, when I was 8, 1973. I graduated a year early. They allowed me to do that because the death of my parents, and, and I, I hated school because of what I felt like in the area of anxiety chronic. Mm-hmm. and it would get me depressed and things. So I wanted to get out of classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I graduated in 8'2 of like June, and um, my school bus would always go down this route whenever I rode a school bus. And so I knew this area very well. Uh, I was at Ashwood Central Central Grocery Store. It's a grocery store, kind of a pool table place. I used to pump gas there for, you know, uh, put up groceries. And I was there, you know, a lot of, it was just a hangout. And someone said, hey, there was an accident down the road. And my buddy and I jumped in his smoke in the Bandit Trans Am black and This is cold. right after you graduated? Yeah, right after I graduated in August, August 17th, 1982. We get in his car, and it's like kind of in the rural area you do. I don't know why you do that. You chase Hmm. fire trucks and ambulances. See what happened? Yeah, and we get there, and it wasn't a fire. It was a very, very, very bad wreck. So bad, I couldn't tell what the cars were. They were so mangled. Hmm. But what I'll never forget is I got out of my car, my sister was laying beside the road and she had baby blue pants on. She was three months pregnant and she had been killed. Uh, um, she had been at a stop sign, she pulled out, but a car was doing exceedingly 90 miles, 90 miles an hour. Um, he was on drugs and pinwheeled my sister. And she looked normal laying there, but she was dead.
0: You recognized her right away? Yes. And
1: then I could kind of, I think, recognize the cars, but they were trashed. Um, a woman tried to keep me in the car, and I didn't know why, but maybe that was a reason. I still don't know who the woman was, and and I saw my sister, and and uh, I I I feel like whatever mine was left, I was losing it, mm-hmm. and um, I went to my my uncle. They couldn't find me for. Not a long time, but my parents are buried in you know that area at the church. And so I felt like I needed to tell my parents. So my uncle found me at the graveyard of my parents, telling them what had happened to my sister. And uh, I tell you, I was very angry. A pastor tried to talk to me that night, and I literally, It wasn't his fault, but I wanted to hit him. I think I wanted to hit anyone, and uh, my my life did not do well for a while after that. A few months later, I was still seventeen. Had a fake ID. You go in bars in South Carolina, and I'm in a bar on Ladies' Night, and uh, this. When you held,
0: just after I think it was just after this.
1: Yeah, just after this. Uh, A few months after this. I think I was still 17 because I had a fake ID. I was in the bar with my brother-in-law. And he never, ever really was a drinker until my sister was killed. And so... Wait, that was her husband? Her husband. His name is wonderful, beautiful guy. Oh, wow. And uh, I was with him, and we were partying on ladies' night. And we were both in just pain. And this woman comes in and says, Hey, can I sit here at your table, big table, packed, ladies' night? And uh, we said sure. She sat down with her boyfriend. Well, her boyfriend came in limping, and I didn't think anything about it. Well, she never really, honestly, shut up the whole night. <laughs> and finally, she says, "My my boyfriend had been in Iraq, and he killed a girl in Ashwood." Well, <sighs> I got real sober, real quick, because the only person I knew, female girl, anyone probably. Killed in Ashwood, very small country community, was my sister. And so um, I began to confront the guy, and I got bouncers on me. My, my, I think my brother-in-law literally went into shock, and I got locked up that night. And so my friends came and got me. And what's so weird about that Craig is I never looked for this dude, and I ran into, into him twice twice. And I got, I got locked up or the other the next time they just took me downtown and waited for my friends to come and get me. And so
0: how did he never get
1: prosecuted? Or- I went to the court. I went to the court as a young man. He wasn't at the court, and back in the day there wasn't a lot of strict laws in that area. and as far as I know, he nothing ever happened to him. Oh my.
0: as far as I know. And but so, you ran into him twice and yep. ended up, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And so um,
1: that was, those three things, uh, the death of my parents, panic attacks, when you live that way, it feels like you're living in hell and yeah. almost like you're dead, wondering if you are dead. And then my sister. Um, and so... Um, that was a, a life that I lived for quite a
0: while until I came to know Christ. So yeah, you were that was eighty two, mm-hmm. you were seventeen, and you met Jesus in eighty four? Eighty six. Eighty six. Oh yeah. So, so so another four years goes by and you're probably just just don't even know how to deal with life. I mean, you've experienced so much loss and I had
1: a I had a great friend that went to college locally and he was a basketball player. So I liked him. It was my brother in law's brother, great guy, Alan Shunan. So I kind of followed him to that college, right? Coker College in South Carolina. And uh, I just, it wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. I first got kicked out of the college for 10 days for some different weird things, mm-hmm. and strange things. And then I was having parties in my room almost every night. Mm-hmm. And uh, had a had a friend there that broke some stuff in the bathroom. Someone saw me came out of the bathroom. They just assumed it was me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got kicked out of the college. Yeah. And my brother from Kentucky came and got me. And that was a good move for me. And you moved. I moved to Ken- Morehead, Kentucky, started going to college there, started uh, bouncing in a local bar. Uh, Morehead was dry. And then they voted while college was in it. It became a wet con- county. And so I bounced in a couple of the bars that was, there was only like uh, just a few bars, but I was bouncer in a couple of them. And For those um, that
0: aren't from the South, <laughs> this is a different thing, but there are certain counties that don't allow alcohol, right? Right, right. Like no alcohol at all? Zero. Okay. So that's why they say go to the county line.
1: Go to the county line or bootleggers. We went to bootleggers all the time. You pull up to a bootlegger, buy a case of beer, buy a nickel bag, a reefer, and you're good to go. But And that would be legal illegally within your county. Okay. But if you drove just over to the next county, you could buy uh, alcohol.
0: Okay. You know, normal. Do you recall what are the... So through all of this with your parents the panic attacks, the anxiety, then your sister. What are the things that are like the roots that you're dealing with? Obviously loss. The roots to, to this day? Uh, Whether or not they exist to this day, at least at this time, leading up to surrendering your life to Jesus. What are, yeah, like what? what's the, can you just describe your pain a little bit? Like, were you just experiencing such such loss? Was it, like, I think you mentioned anger earlier. Was it hopelessness? Um, Like, what were the things that was, that you were just dealing with generally that led you to this, whatever the moment was where you surrendered your life to Jesus? Good question. Um,
1: The panic attacks and chronic anxiety and depression... Um, and I didn't know those words back then, Craig, I didn't know panic. I didn't know chronic. I didn't know depression. I, all I knew is I was living in a miserable living hell. And so to kill that pain, I drank a lot of alcohol. Um, like I remember buying a fifth and if I really wanted to get drunk, I'd buy a pint with it. So I, I did that because it allowed me to completely escape the anxiety and panic when I was totally belligerent, drunk, I, I didn't get. I wasn't fearful of the panic attacks because right. I didn't know what they were. They would come upon me and overtake my life. So alcohol became a huge painkiller um, that allowed me to escape from th- the loss. Yeah. Uh, so I would say fear was. A huge, uh, you know, the Bible says God didn't give you a spirit of fear. I'm con- I'm convinced it's a spirit, and it, it played a huge part of mm-hmm. control in my life. Mm-hmm. I would think I can't go there because I may have a panic attack. I'm not going to do this because I may the what if the what if the what if the what if alcohol would kind of get rid of just all not, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So fear was a really big one. Insecurities of um, just hey i i really want to be something in life but i felt so insecure no one would know that but you know that's probably why i turned to bodybuilding at a time i i i had a corvette all the things around me Mm -hmm. was probably rooted out of insecurities Mm -hmm. and being alone um not having a dad mom and sister these are the three people I was raised with man right these are the people that was in my home and now they're gone and it really 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 uh impacted me yeah and so um that those are things that kind of drove my life and and anger because yeah things would just go like you, anything would I, I remember um, uh, someone calling me an MF as I was a bouncer. And I went off on the guy because I took that very personal because of the death of my mother. And so uh, things like that would... Uh,
0: things would ju- just trigger you in a trigger moment? Trigger me. I, was, just... I
1: had road rage before you even heard the ro- word road rage. Huh. And so I was an angry dude, but I needed to be... I, I was addicted to steroids like none other. I dealt steroids and, and, and was addicted to When it. did that start? Uh right whenever I uh got to Moorhead, Kentucky. Okay. I weighed about hundred and forty two pounds. My goal was to weigh uh I think it was two eighty. <laughs> no 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 I'm sorry. No no no. I fifty eight now. My goal was to weigh two fifty. Oh my goodness. And so go from one forty to two fifty. And, <laughs> and I made it to two twenty. No. Yeah. And so it about killed me getting there. Mm-hmm. But I made it to there. And so that was another Aspect of insecurities in my life, the alcohol, all these different things played to kill the pain, man. Yeah, I was in the gym. I had a different kind of pain that distract me from the other pain. Right, because if if I'm drunk or or or, or lifting, those things help me with the
0: internal pain because mm-hmm. I was I was lost. Was your anger just general? Like I'm just angry at life, or were, do you recall yourself specifically being angry at God? Because My dad's a pastor. Why did you... Or just for whatever reason, you know. Like, do you recall at those ages, was there a focus of your anger? Or you're just... Yeah. Angry guy.
1: That's a good question. I remember being angry at Cadillacs because... Wow. Killed my parents. Uh, I remember being angry at different situations. Uh, Probably angry at God, um, deep, deep down. I think I was scared to be angry at God, Mm. but I think I was deeply disappointed and angry at God. And so those would be some of the things that would just all of a sudden surface Mm -hmm. in my life that I would attach my anger to. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I, you know, I was not a nice kid to my grandparents. I became angry at them and angry at the Dean for kicking me out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, And so bouncing kind of allowed, you know, I was a cool bouncer, but. But you're kind of allowed to. I'm I'm allowed to. Kind of be. Yeah, we had, we were right next to the police station. So we had the police backing us because we're trying to crowd control and people are losing their mind going from a dry County to a wet County. Oh, it was crazy people were just getting college just, students yeah. and locals oh wow it was crazy
0: okay so how'd you end up in this church um, like after all this like so, what do you you know did you go to church I were, did so were I you was, going to church I mean were you going to church throughout this whole process no no no
1: okay. I, I was at times my grandparents at first I'd go all the time as a little guy yeah. with my grandparents they drugged me there all the time it was ridiculous and I did not like church because I, I constantly dealt with being controlled and panic in church. So uh, it was a real big, they didn't know it, but it was a real big, um, um, struggle with me to sit in church bad. So I'd tried to take naps and distract myself. Oh, So
0: you were, it wasn't just that you were bored or I don't know if I like got it right now. You literally were dealing when you'd go to church, the panic stuff. Would right. Because I had the first panic attack.
1: And then two weeks later, I was setting in church, and it happened. And oh. so it was a huge trigger. Oh, and so uh, church was not cool with me. Yeah, and it was probably part of the enemy and what have you. But yeah. I wasn't down with church. So I, I, you know, college and bodybuilding and living a crazy life. And then um, I'm back visiting my grandparents in in Kentucky. I'm sorry, in South Carolina from Kentucky. And my grandparent, my my grandmother says you should stop and see Billy and Leanna Rowe. They live in Dunbar, West Virginia. And I said, yeah. So uh, they were uh, like good friends with my 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 family, really in Ohio. Good friends with my parents. They were worshipers and led music and led worship and great friends. Maybe maybe uh, maybe on staff at the church. Mm-hmm. So I stopped by and saw them, and they Billy met me at a pay phone, and um, I knew. I mean, God was drawing me. I didn't really know he was drawing me because I had a black Bible in my glove compartment trying to read it, and it wasn't doing me any good. But he invited me to church in Dunbar, West Virginia. And so um, I think a week or two later, I, I think the night before, Saturday night, I bounced and then got up on a Sunday morning and drove from Moorhead, Kentucky about two and a half hours to Dunbar, West Virginia to go to church. Wow. I walked in what there. What made you do
0: that, though? Like, was it just there's a compelling, or like, well, I told him I would? Or... No, it wasn't. It was. Why would a guy like you at that point in his life go two and a half hours to church? I, I mean, with
1: all of my heart, it was, I think God was really, really drawing me. Mm-hmm. But if you would have asked me. You didn't know it. I had zero clue. But something was happening. Yeah. So I go there. I remember hearing these old hymnal worship songs, parents. Billy gets up to preach. He begins to weep. I go from weep. I'm this, the church has got a lot of older people in it, gray hair everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sitting on the second row. He begins to share, and I began to weep. I go from weeping to wailing, and he shares the gospel. And this little lady, I had a death grip on the pew. A little lady walked all the way around the church. Her name was Miss Fisher, Miss Flowers, one or the other. And uh, she said, son, would you like to give your life to Christ? Right in the middle of the... And I says, no, ma'am, I'm just depressed. She said, you're not depressed. That's the Holy Spirit. So she walked up with me. I think I got saved before going, getting to the altar. Right. Yeah. And I moved in with those pastors for about a month. Really? I did, yeah. Because it was during Christmas break now. Oh, okay. And so I went, started working at a gym in Dunbar, West Virginia. That's all I knew was gyms. Yeah. Worked at a gym for a little while, lived with them down in their basement, used their son's Bible, shredded it, tore it apart, um, began reading about the Holy Spirit. And uh, that was very impactful to me. And this was a church that didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit or baptism, the Holy Spirit, or gifts or anything like that. And, and two weeks later, I got uh, baptized in water, and um, and I remember being coached. <laughs> Don't you come out of that water speaking in tongues. And I'm, I was just seeing all these beautiful scriptures in the Bible, mm-hmm. reading New Testament Acts, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, you know. And so, but they were loving, loving, loving people. Then I went back to college, and um, man, I got back into, it was, I got radically saved got back to the college as soon as I pulled into the parking lot a roommate walks up to me with a porn magazine in his hand with it open putting it in my face and then it was it was on like Donkey Kong just my old life hitting me back in my face huh. and I fell and I was very sad because because I, you felt the conviction now absolutely mm-hmm. I felt conviction I all of my old friends, I've, I was really letting God down. He had really saved me, and I started, I started slipping. Mm-hmm. And so um, I stayed backsliding until March of 88, where in the midst of this, it's kind of radical, but I found out in the midst of all that, my brother, who I'd never met, came, shared the gospel with me, which was a huge seed before going to Dunbar, getting saved. Okay. He so preached. he shared the gospel before you. He, he sure the did, big time. He cornered me mm-hmm. in a good way, loving way, really confronted me with the gospel. But he lived in Eureka, California. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going spring break to visit my brother. And I did. And he was preaching in Grants Past, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I went to church with him, rededicated my life to Christ right at that gathering. Mm-hmm. That week, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, which I was really nervous about. I, right, I, I'd, I'd been taught this is not good. You know? Right, <laughs> some people even say another devil. And man, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, Craig, and that was my second major experience with God the Father. Did somebody lay hands on you? He, my brother and a good friend named James Nichols laid hands on me. I uh, prayed in the Holy Spirit, spoken. Tongues really began to devour the word of God. Went back to college, hooked up with Christian brothers. Went to a church called Word of Life, and man, it was on.
0: I was so you were able to go back to the college, but it be different. Different baptism, the Holy Spirit empowerment.
1: The 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 Um. bars that I preached, that I bounced in, babes' place and (laughs) spankies. I'm out with three or four street preachers, Roland and Johnny and. We're ha. preaching on the sidewalks, right in front of, of, the of these same bars. bars my old boss said, "They called me OJ back in the day. Hey, what are you doing, man?" I'm like sharing the gospel. He <laughs> thought I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was a radical difference. Wow. But I knew I needed a church, and mm-hmm. so at the end mm-hmm. of at the end of that that semester, I got my truck my motorcycle, went and told my grandparents goodbye in South Carolina and drove with a good Christian brother. And we drove 50 straight hours from, uh, <laughs> 50 straight, never stopped. I what? mean, we only stopped to get Pretty gas. Yeah. My truck would go about four hours. We'd take naps, saw the sun come up twice, no. go through Redding, California that, and all the, you know, the beautiful lake there. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, it was beautiful. And uh, And then
0: you went on those hills between Redding and Arcata that I overheated on in
1: this camper. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Crazy. And my life ever since then has been changed. So you were how old at that point? At the end, I was 23. Yeah. Wow. Moved everything to Eureka. And that's how I've been out west ever since. And
0: so that set you on the path to become a pastor. Right. Right. I didn't know any of
1: those things. I was, you didn't come I out was there because you're to like, be a pastor. I, no,
0: not in a bar. I was in a
1: gym. I was manager of classic gym in Eureka. Mm-hmm. Just, I knew gyms and they invited me to be a, uh, judge in a bodybuilding competition. And I stood up on the stage in Humboldt state university in Arcata. And I looked down and saw this beautiful lady, <laughs> I didn't know who she was, and her name's Ray Dean. And the problem was she was with her Miami Dolphin football player boyfriend, <laughs> but I didn't care. And so I, 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 you know, I wasn't. It wasn't about him. I, I met her that night, said hi to her. Well, comes to find out that she went to the gym that I managed. And so we became good friends Mm -hmm. and uh, I met her boyfriend. He was a really nice guy, Mm -hmm. shared the gospel with him. She gets radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, water baptized, she breaks it off with her boyfriend. And so that was a God opportunity for me. Yeah. And now I'm married to Ray Dean and her name is Ray Dean. (laughs) So my dad was Billy Ray. And my mom was Geraldine, and my my wife's name is Ray Dean She has my mom and dad's name. I'm sorry.
0: It's beautiful.
1: I knew it was God. Yeah. I got a daughter named Jamie. That was my sister's name. And my my son, Seth, and Seth was a replacement for Abel, yeah. and so God's restored my family. I mean, I miss my mom and my dad and my sister. Don't get me wrong. But he's done a he's done a restoration. Mm-hmm. And now they're married, and I got four grandsons. Wow. JoJo, uh, Jameson, and then Raleigh and Raider, And so God's just done a great work. My, my wife's been through hell at times since we've been married. She battled cancer three times, Craig. Mm-hmm. And we saw her miraculously healed the first time. And the next two times, she had to have surgery. And so she's got her own story of the dark night of the soul. Yeah, My pastor, Bob McGregor, always told me I was a Joseph (laughs) and just the things that i had been through. He always says, you live a life of
0: Joseph, J.O. Do you recall the feelings of of loss come strike you when Radian got cancer? Were you like, oh, I'm going (laughs) to lose another one? I remember going to staff, <laughs> and this was
1: the second cancer. She had thyroid cancer. And I remember a staff at City Harvest Church, and I'm sitting there bawling because of the loss of my life. Right. And uh, they were trying to say, Hey, J.O., <laughs> hey, this is the cancer's enclosed, it's going to be good. Yeah. This is, if you're going to have a cancer, this is the best one to have, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really impacted me. Yeah. And so definitely have had dealings with that. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm very strange in the loss situation. Like I had a dog named Copper, had him for 12, 13 years when he died. It really impacted me. Mm. And then I just had uh, the loss July 12th of my other dog. And most people would be like, oh, dogs. Well, my Kai dog, we had him 15 and a half years yeah. and I've known my dogs longer than I've known my fa- my, my parents mm. and almost as long as I know my sister. And so loss is really a limp with me. I limp mm. bad with loss. and I, I, I'm probably a control freak drive my my kids crazy like with driving. Mm. If you go to the if you go to the graveyard in South Carolina, you'll see, my mother's first husband, because me and my sister, I didn't know it, we were half. Mm. He was killed in a car wreck. What? Yep. Seriously? My, yeah. And then my, my mom's brother, my mom's sister and brother-in-law, Tommy and Sue, I was in my mother's womb. They were killed in a car wreck. My mom and dad was killed in a car wreck. My cousin, Eric, who was a brother to me, I was, you know, he was one year older than me, killed in a car wreck, and then my sister killed in a car wreck, and all these are in a row,
0: uh, in this kind of in a row in the cemetery. Wow. Yeah. So when it comes to driving, you're like, you kids put your seatbelt on, <laughs> and you, I'm getting making sure you have good tires. I drive them crazy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, that yeah. there's a good reason for that. Well, before we before we transition from this part of the conversation, I wonder if you feel comfortable just saying. How much do you feel like through being born again, a real a real salvation moment, and then experiencing the feeling of the Holy Spirit and power, how much, and that was now at your age, now years ago, so you've had a whole life of marriage and ministry, walk with the Lord, building this church, all of that. How much would you say the Lord... Totally took from you in terms of your pain and your brokenness, things like that in the salvation and the, the Holy Spirit feeling. And, and to what degree do you feel like, yeah, people look at you now and you got all this going on and you're a great leader, but hey, if you really want to know, I'm still struggling, I still have to battle this and this and this every day. I got to screw my head on, screw my heart on right. I, you know, I'm. Like is it was there just total healing from all of it? Or are there things that you I mean, we just talked about some of it with making sure your kids' cars are okay because you you know, that's right. a pain point for you, but what is the what's the yeah, like how do you think about that, like, man? I just was totally healed and delivered of some of these things, but some of these things I'm still fighting, or how right. do you think about yeah. that? That's a very good question. Um, I get radically saved
1: and man things really really even grass and the clouds and everything really <laughs> looked different to uh-huh. me. I mean, I was born all over again. Yeah. It, it's like a r-
0: a real change. Not I, just I became religious. I do church now. Like no, a change. It
1: was like, wow. That's why it, to this day it's a bummer that I turned my back on Christ when I got back into college mm-hmm. because just being a knucklehead Mm -hmm. because I was really born again. But even with the born again experience, almost like I didn't look different on the outside. I knew I was forgiven and I knew I was going to heaven. And a lot of things changed, but not everything changed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was still holding down balls Uh, like, you know, balls underneath the water because uh, of, you know, probably wondering what was this panic attack and Mm -hmm. anxiety and things. But man, God came and comforted in me and helped me along the journey. It was like I could turn to him and it was Mm -hmm. real, like he's going to take care of me. And then backsliding, that wasn't, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit was a whole nother level of, of healing for me. Mm-hmm. Call it healing, call it deliverance. Mm-hmm. I I really don't care what you title it, probably all the above.
0: But a real game changer. A big changer because okay.
1: I, I, I was still in Kentucky, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, spring break of 88, but I had to go back to Kentucky and I was working making these uh, casket holders, these concrete tombs that you lower in the ground, and then they set the casket in, and I was vibrating the concrete of these tombs to get the oxygen out, and I just began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. Craig, like never before, this this healing and peace mm. flooded me, my mind, and uh, my, like my heart, and my innermost being, and I just began getting healed from mm. praying in the Holy Spirit. I wow. didn't know, I didn't know even what I was doing, I was still nervous about it, but all I knew it was real. But God was
0: using that and doing a supernatural. He really
1: was in my life. That's why I'm such a proponent of the Holy Spirit because he's like my best friend. Mm -hmm. But even with that, after I got into bad water hunting, drinking some bad water, cow poop in the water, I got really sick and it wore me down And I think, to this day, that God allowed those things to surface to really deal with it. Mm Because it was the first time a doctor says, that's panic attacks, Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And so I began to look at that. I was going to a counselor at the church, Mm -hmm. and he was giving me cassette tapes that really dealt with anxiety, panic attacks, agoraphobia, so forth and so on. He's the one that looked at me and says, Did anything ever happen? I thought he was crazy, bro. Did anything ever happen to you while you were in your mother's womb? I'm like, What? And sure enough, I go to South Carolina, look on the tomb of Sue, my mother's sister, and uh, she was killed in a car wreck when I was in my mother's womb. Mm. It's like, Wow, something to that. Mm -hmm. So God began to do a great healing surface. It was a painful season as a believer because now I'm a believer. I have no other place to go to. Mm-hmm. I, this is it. But he allowed me just like an onion begin to peel me mm. to deal with those things so I didn't have to walk around like with chronic anxiety. And to this day, I deal at times with anxiety. It's mm. um, It's nothing nothing like it used to be mm-hmm. i used to live a paralyzed life now i try to live a life of eating good sleeping good i go to the gym uh you know keeping relationships good right but i've had i've had some stuff like we were in this church facility building uh program and man for the first time i'd had little bouts of it Just like, oh, I think I know. But then I had OCD just explode in my life. Mm. And so I still walk with a limp. Mm -hmm. Um, And and even from that OCD time, OCD for me is way more than (laughs) organizing a few things. Right. (laughs) It's not, you know, uh, I, I would be late for stuff because I would be checking my heater, front door, and just on and on and on just mm. like compulsive mm-hmm. obsessive struggles that I was dealing with as a pastor as loved of the father as filled with the holy spirit as right but I still have I'm still human with frailties in my
0: mind yeah. and in those areas so one I think in a you know obviously this whole show is not about glorifying pain and struggle but in some ways, I think that people will be encouraged to see the life you live, the leader you are, the preacher you are, faith-filled, spirit-filled person that you are. And then in a weird way for them to know, oh, man, he still has struggles too, but he's but he's still serving God in all these ways. My struggles don't have to hold me back. You're right. And some people, they just let their struggles disqualify them or hold them back. I wonder if you could just give a couple. What are your top two, three, whatever things that you, other than other than like the spiritual things, like because you talked about eating right, working out, sleeping. And, and this is important because sometimes in the church it can be like all spiritual, but we need to realize that like we're a body, we're a mind, so mental, mental health. So like I'm glad you mentioned those things because – we want to be holistic and not just say, "Well, just read the Bible." That's the only thing you need. Like, there's more to that. So, what are you eating? You know, <laughs> how are you sleeping? All those things. So, so you're focusing on the physical. But what are the what are some of the spiritual things that you do to make sure that you stay healthy or to, you know, screw your head on right in the morning? Is it what are the top things that you think are most important just to keep you healthy? I, I would imagine that the things that you as a pastor counsel other people to do it's not just because you want them doing religious things it's because you know that it's good for them what have right. you found to be good for you in your life and in keeping you maybe you're not perfect but in keeping you moving forward in health
1: that's very good um, you know God Number what is my father bar none and so I, I try to stay really close to God the father mm. this beautiful revelation of Abba and he's been my father. He's been my everything, Greg. And so my my intimate time with him, you know, i you call them devotions. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely, it's mm-hmm. devotions. But it's my lifeline. Mm-hmm. My lifeline, spending time with him in prayer, um, disciplines in my life, practicing things like fasting, to make me sensitive to him, my reliability upon him. Mm-hmm. His word, I think his word itself brings healing agents to our physical being. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone. So I need more for my body and my life than bread, than right. food. Right. And so his word, there's not too many days that i will ever go without reading his word right you know very very few i'm reading two bibles right now for my twins don't
0: tell us about that because i'm gonna ask you about that in a second okay
1: but i read his word every day because i it it affects me his leaf shall not wither Mm -hmm. who the man who meditates on god's word right the leaf means life It's well it's it represents life yeah So we get way more out of God's word than just a spiritual discipline. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's literally life for me Mm -hmm. and and my devotion, my prayer time. My prayer times look all kind of different ways. Uh, But that I long for every morning. You do that every morning? Every morning. It's like sometimes it looks different. Right. Sometimes, Like this morning I was walking Jameson. I went almost a little less than I. A mile and a half with Jameson, but it's like my prayer time. Like, Jameson, we're gonna go on prayer walk, bro. Because
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I gotta have that. I've yeah. got it's not like, oh, I, oh, I, I should
0: because I'm, pa- I'm supposed to pray. No, it's like, I have to. I have to. I have to. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I have to in a
1: good way. Yeah, I have to, right? Right. So, those would be you know, disciplines or have to's is God's word and prayer and and um, my worship to Him. I think that the church. Exists to exalt Him, Mm -hmm. and so my worship to Him, to exalt Him, and my thanksgiving to Him because I have many things to be thankful for for what He's done. Right, and so those are those are some of my spiritual personal devotions, and I I, I do occasionally, you you know, things like solitude, Mm -hmm. just to be with the Father. Right, those are really encouraging, but that would be some of my cool.
0: Well, thank you for sharing all that. I know that it's not like you never share that. I've heard a lot of that, but um, it's always difficult to to probably share about the loss that you've experienced. In. It is, but I found
1: through the years as I share it, I know it sounds strange, but it brings healing. Right.
0: I don't know how that works, but it works. <laughs> yeah, and it helps other people. Yeah. Well, Conversations in Contrast is about two things, and uh, one is what's one of the hardest things that you've been through in your life. And we just heard about a few of yours. And then the second is I always just like to end on talking about something awesome. And so, uh, that's the, in contrast is, Hey, let's talk about just a cool, amazing, awesome victory thing that you do. And so normally what I've been doing is, is going behind people's back and asking their wife or their husband or their staff or friends, Hey, tell me something that so-and-so does that maybe they wouldn't normally talk about. Cause it might sound like bragging, um, but I didn't have to ask anybody for you because I know you well enough. There's one thing that you do that's super awesome that uh, I want to talk about, and you mentioned it earlier, so that's why I stopped you. Uh, one thing that you are doing, and I just love how this ties into the theme of family, and you know, you lost so much family, and now that's clearly one of the reasons why you value family so much. But one of the things that you have done, and and I now have done it for my daughter, but you are. I think you finished one for one grandkid and now you're working on it for your twins. So you read Bibles on behalf of your grandkids. And what do you do? What does that look like? What does that mean? What do you do in them? Tell us about that. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that have never heard of this before and they definitely need to hear about this and consider doing this, awesome. but it's just a simple, awesome thing that you do. So yeah. tell us about it.
1: Yeah. Let me see if I,
0: do you think you have them? Let me see if I have my backpack right here. Give me one second. If I do... Oh, I do. I can show you real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he's going to show us... If anybody's listening on audio, maybe go and try and find this on uh, my YouTube page and watch the video of this portion, if you can. If not, uh, we're going to describe it. But obviously, if you're watching, you're going to see this. But what he's pulling out here... we'll tell it. You tell us. What okay. are you pulling out? So
1: it... Right now, this is Raleigh and Raider. These are twins, our grandsons. Um, <laughs> before that, we have our first grandson named Jameson. I'm sorry, Jonesy. Forgive me. I got four grandsons. Yeah. So Jonesy Ray James is our first grandson, and I began then, and I read a Bible for him.
0: You read? Um, you already
1: finished the whole thing. Finished for the whole Jonesy. Bible. I write notes to Jonesy. It's has got his name on it. And uh, I have a chest for my my son's family, uh, uh, like a hope chest, mm-hmm. and I have a chest for my daughter's family. Okay, the, we call them the little O's and the Pauls. Okay, and so inside that chest for Jonesy and the the the, the Pauls is his Bible. Okay, that's and done.
0: Done. Finished. Done. You read every verse in that Bible. Every for verse. Him, for and him. R- highlighting your nose. Sometimes
1: and... Drew, I'm not an artist, but Drew Little. Artwork. <laughs> and then Jameson came and so got another Bible for Jameson. That's Seth and Micaiah's son, Jameson David. And uh read the Bible to him for him and just wrote all I wanted I want my grandkids to know i'm and Poppy. Who we are. You know, I want them to always fear God and love his word and walk in his ways. But they can always look back and go. And some of it's spiritual. Some of it's just like, hey, there's fires going on in Idaho right now. Oh, really? Oh, really? oh yeah. Did you, of, did you date? Did you date? I date. Your yeah. little I'll notes show are you.
0: like per date? So I
1: did Jonesy and Jameson, and now I'm with Raleigh and Raider. And so Raider, let's let's see. Uh, right now I love to read Old and New Testament. So you'll see where am I at? In, I'm in Judges with Raider. And so, um, this is what I wrote Raider, uh, yesterday. Dear Raider, what a very sad, evil story. This is a story of Abimelech. He Uh. killed 70 brothers. Uh. One of the saddest, most evil story. And I I said, I would say from greed and power hunger, Abimelech killed, uh, 70 of his brothers. um, one of the most evil stories in the Bible. And I said, follow Jesus and his teachings, grandson. Poppy loves you.
0: (sighs) So I'll write little. So it's just like that's one of. One of, if
1: you're watching video, you'll see I write him every day and just. So are you, so these
0: two are twins. Uh So he's reading, are you reading at the same time, both of them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, Do you
0: read the same chapter in both or are you, you're changing it up so you... Mix it up.
1: So I read an Old and a New Testament. I'm reading in Genesis right now for Raleigh and just going through the whole story of Jacob and Isaac and New Testament. I'm over in 2 Corinthians. Here in Raiders, I'm in Revelation.
0: Wait, so you read an Old and a New in both every day? A- every day. Now, now, let me be
1: very integrous. Sometimes... I'll read a portion, like you see this little S, mm-hmm. and I'll read this. This really stuck out to me, yeah. And I'll just put an S and stop there.
0: Oh, that uh, means I stopped. Yep. So you can know, right? Where to so pick I up. know I got to <laughs> pick up. There's my little S's, wow. and so
1: sometimes it's a full chapter of each, and sometimes. Um, it's less, sometimes but, i'm in a hurry yeah you're reading double i mean yeah can, and so it varies and and, and but you and have I,
0: time you know it's not like you're trying to get it done in a year i'm not yeah you I'm can not. keep going so the you older just go I've, until it's done the
1: older i've got the more is like hey i'm stopping right there that is beautiful i'm gonna write raider yeah. raleigh about this section and so dead and so the, it, their little cases are getting more out my other two grandsons they each have like a uh, a cloth case. Yeah. But this has worked out pretty good, Raleigh and Raider, just keeping them inside. And you of keep here. them with you all the time? Nope, not all the time. Oh. I, and I still haven't got their names put on these ones. The other grandsons, they, they have their names on it. Uh-huh. But sometimes I'll keep them with me if I'm in a hurry in the morning and I'll go, I'm going to take them with me. So I'm going to read them in later case on. you have time. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's just so. a simple thing, you guys, but literally God's word is one of the Greatest gifts that we've been given and to pass this on. I just did this for my daughter when she turned 13. Special, isn't it? How special is it? She's going to cherish that. But you're doing it. You're on your third and fourth. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. Maybe more. Hello. Yeah. Wow. It's super fun. So, yeah, if you're listening, come and watch this episode because these are amazing. you got to see these things. (laughs) And if not, even if you're just listening or watching, consider if you have kids doing this for them because what a gift to hand something on, a a legacy that will live forever. So, Well, man, thank you, Pastor J.O., for sharing with us. I wonder if in closing, oh, real quick, before closing, where can people find you if they're interested in getting connected with you? on online or obviously if you're in the Coeur d'Alene region come and see all of yeah. us at heart of the city church and uh, by the time you're listening to this which would be at least in the fall of 23 or later we will have uh, a campus in post Falls up and going to some degree yeah and so we're're we're, we've been here in Coeur d'Alene Idaho for 16 17 17 years, years. and uh, so yeah if you're in the North Idaho region, come and see us in person, but what about online? Where can people find Yeah, you?
1: online, I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so it's Pastor, I think it's P-S-T-R-J-O, yep. uh, Instagram. You can email me if you have any questions, J-O at theheartcda.com. And I uh, would love to reach out to anyone that you might be going through the dark night of your soul, maybe you're dealing with panic attacks. I, I'm passionate about helping people. We did a class one time on mm-hmm. anxiety, wondering if people dealt with it. And we had 103 people show up to right. the class. Right. And so I'm passionate about helping people uh, because of the hell that I've been through.
0: Yeah. Now that I think about it, I know that you're passionate about making sure people that experience loss get Grief booklets and support, right. and now it makes sense why you're so. Make sure they get those because you you probably know the value of right making sure people get that. So maybe if you really need something like that, we might be able to help you out with that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely,
1: we have a set of grief booklets, a mm-hmm. four. Would love to walk you through that. Possibly send them to you.
0: Cool. Well, I would love to close in prayer and ask if you would say a prayer you know, to whatever like direction you want, but specifically if anybody's listening to this, that resonates with the pain that you've been through, maybe it's loss, maybe it's panic attacks, uh, drug use, anything like that. I know that there's an impartation and that specific people were drawn to this episode for that reason. So would you mind praying that way? I'd love to. Cool. Father, I lift up anybody out
1: listening to this right now. First of all, I thank you for Craig and his, his idea, creativity his love for people and even this whole subject of typically you can see someone preaching and think they have everything together mm-hmm. but to be able to talk about what really has went on throughout their life i think is very very important these days so many people are broken father with anxiety depression ocd panic phobias and i lift up each and every one of them first of all i want to encourage them that they can have victory, that they can be more than conquerors. It doesn't mean that they won't have a limp. I think about Jacob. At the very end of his life, it looked like he still had a limp leaning on his staff. So we may go to heaven with a limp, but they don't have to control us. We can still live life. We can still uh, fulfill the destiny on our life. And I just encourage anybody out there struggling these panic attacks, whatever it may be, God, that Mm -hmm. they can get help and walk with people, and be set free. Simply thinking about what you're thinking about is a very, very beautiful principle. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I just lift up each and every one of them and just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort them. You would lead. You would fill. You would guide them. Let the anointing of God come upon their life to break every yoke. Jesus, you took Mm -hmm. care of these things. And, And I just pray for the audience, the sons and daughters, and even those that don't believe, Father, that you would captivate their heart. They would crowd to you. They would come to know you. They would be born again. They would turn from sin and turn to you and receive you as their Lord. I lift them up to you. And I just thank you, Father, that you are the God of hope and you want to bring hope to every listener today. And so we just pray, even as we close in prayer, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, touch every individual out there mm-hmm. right now, right now
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. God bless you.